for these last few weeks, and at least for the next few days, we have focused our time and our attention on celebrating Christmas, the coming Christ child. And we do this in a lot of different ways, right? We wrap gifts. We have to buy the gifts first. We prepare special meals or desserts. We string up lights inside and outside of the house. We bake treats. And we return at this time of year to this familiar story. And it's admittedly a great story. It has everything you would want if you were constructing a story, right? Angels in more than one location in the narrative. Blue-collar workers out in the field. Super pregnant young mom. A concerned father. A makeshift cradle for the newborn child. This story of Jesus' birth, no matter what parts you can remember and which parts you can't, is called often the Incarnation. And the root of this word in incarnation is a little challenging to kind of suss out, but most people who are linguists would agree that it comes from a proto-Indo-European root that means uh, to cut, to cut. So in the Greek, it's kero, and in the Latin, it's care or caro. And this root system of identifying words and their meanings helps us get to the central meaning of the word that we use now. So in terms of the timeline, once you get from those two sort of blurry root words to the the French, which is where we get it in the English, this word to cut has become to imply like a cut of meat or a piece of flesh in some way. And so even if you don't speak Spanish, you can usually identify that the word like carne is to mean Flesh, body, meat. Well, why do we care about the Proto-Indo-European root of this word? Well, incarnation is a word we don't use very often, and it has a lot of meaning to us as people. To be incarnate means to be made of flesh, to be made into flesh, to be made a flesh creature. There's a transformation or maybe a transmutation that occurs, changing something into a body. The word itself is a little bit intense. Incarnation has the same root concept as carnal, which tends to have a bit of a reputation in the word circles as something that is maybe fun but not like good. But it's also a very visceral kind of word, right? The idea of carnality has this sort of weird gut instinct identity to it. This concept of body is deeply human. The idea of flesh is limiting. One could even go so far as to say is to be incarnate is humiliating. It is shameful. It is frail. It is delicate. It's tremendously limiting. The idea of incarnation is not something you do to make an object stronger. It makes it more susceptible to threat. By connecting anything to a human body, you make it more likely to be destroyed, not less likely to be destroyed. It is not safer to be in a body than it is to be without one. There's also this underlying connection in the language to the word for heart, 
cardia in the Greek from the same idea of cut that we had earlier. And this connection also means that there's kind of a, a bridge between these two concepts. This idea of the heart, but more specifically like the deep internal parts. In English, we would say heart as the center of our emotional reality. But the ancients often would refer to the stomach as the center of their emotional truth. But no matter what organ it is, the concept is the same. This idea of cardia stands for the inmost center of passion in a body. We hear it pop up a little bit in the Latin root languages like um, Spanish or Italian or Portuguese, where like carina or caro all mean like beloved one, dear one. There's a sentimentality to it, a wording of connection that's tied into this idea of the heart. But it is not disconnected from the idea of our fleshly human realities. And I think this is true, that the realities of our human nature and our heart's deepest loves are tied together, not just in the linguistic tree, but also in real life. We know there is a close tie between our humanity and our shared love for one another. If someone matters to us, then they are of us. They are like us. They are ours. They understand us. If someone matters to us, they get us. To be in flesh means to be able to love. And in this season, we learn that Christ was made flesh to express that love to us. In becoming a human, by the choice to incarnate, Jesus gave us the capacity to better love all of the world around us. By showing us the depth of love that God had for us, enough that he would become a human body. How deep that love for God ran. God chose to become one of God's own creation, no matter how unthinkable that is. So maybe you're thinking that like partial reconstruction of Proto-European languages isn't a great theology to land your faith on. And maybe you're right. Uh, it might not be strong enough to hold all of our knowledge of the world and of God. So let's take that same concept and hear it reflected in the scriptures. John 3, 34. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, so also you should love one another. Isaiah 54.10 My steadfast love shall not depart from you. My covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. Ephesians 3.18 I pray that you being rooted and grounded in love might comprehend the height and depth and width and length of the love of Christ which surpasses all knowledge. 1 John 4, 7-8 Love is of God. Everyone and everything who loves is born of God because God is love. God's love is revealed to us in this. God sent his son into the world that we might live through him. 1 John 4, 16, 18, 19. God is love. Those who abide in love abide in God and God abides in them. There is no fear in love because fear has to do with punishment. 
Perfect love casts out fear. We love because God first loved us. Romans 8, 38 and 39, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation could separate us from the love of Christ that is in Jesus our Lord. John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believed in him would not perish but would have eternal life. This season, we reflected on the wonder of a Savior who was at the beginning of all things, creating before time itself began. We reflected on the pain and struggle of creation, ourselves included, not yet returned to that perfect state. We reflected on the promise of peace that is ahead of us and the perfection that is to come, down to the very rewriting of our human nature. And now we see the work of God in this moment. Creator becomes creation out of love and compassion for us. And by joining in what it means to be finite, fleshly, human, small dust. Christ now shares in our suffering and opens the world to renewed creation, a perfection that we cannot imagine. No barriers could keep it from us. Now that love has broken through. No sin could keep us from it now that love has sat beside us and suffered. And no human fragility could keep us out because it is a human body perfected that sits on the throne of God. Scars and all. But that's not quite where our story focuses today. Today we think about a baby. A small and very noisy baby, no matter what the songs may tell you. Firstborn, pride of his parents, held in love and tears, a real mess. We think about that baby, one whose brain was not developed, but who would one day defeat death itself. Humanity is a messy thing. And when humanity turned away from God by their own decision, God also made a decision. And that decision is that when the time was right, that God would become one of us, that we might know what it was to be loved. It would welcome all things into a perfect future and create a way of love and peace, one that transcends time and space and language and gender and culture and education and financial bracket and nationality, ethnic heritage, and even life and death. That revolution was not begun on a cross It started in a feeding trough. The most human of humans came as a baby in the realm of Palestine. He is Christ the Lord. And without Christ's choice to be a body, to be in flesh, we would not know what it is to live or to love. The angels say on the occasion to the shepherds, this is good news of great joy. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to all of creation on whom the love of God shall rest. Amen. You've been listening to me, Pastor Kana Moore, at Hayes Christian Church. Hayes Christian Church is a non-denominational fellowship in Hayes, Kansas. We are supported by the generosity of our members, attenders, and friends. 
The financial support we raise goes to projects which further spread the gospel to those who do not yet know Jesus, to those local, national, and international missions, and they help keep these podcasts free. If you would like to share a monetary gift with us, please visit our website at hayeschristianchurch.org and click on the donate button. Or you may mail your gift to P.O. Box 1111, Hayes, Kansas, 67601. If you have any questions, comments, or would like more information, we would love to hear from you. Simply go to our website and click on the Contact Us form. Thank you for your generosity, and may God bless you as you seek to follow Him.